0: Good morning. Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. My name is Brian Kiley, and for another week or so, I'm the minister here at the Utilitarian Church of Edmonton. (laughs) Last night, uh, there was the Dragging Youth drag show took place here, and the host was a little flustered and ran in late. Uh, Go Go Fetch was their name and uh, at one point, and and had gone to the wrong church and everything else and said, and you know, I couldn't even find Utilitarian Church on my GPS. I kinda like it, Utilitarian Church, I can work with that. Anyway, good morning and welcome. As Unitarian Universalists, we are bound together not by a common set of beliefs, rigid beliefs, but by our promise to support one another in our individual searches for truth and meaning, guided by our principles and drawing from many sources. So we do hope that you feel welcome here. Whatever you believe or don't believe, whoever you love, however you understand family, whatever your age or race or ability, you are welcome here. We invite you to join with us on a journey of free thought, spiritual questing and justice making for as long as you feel comfortable doing so. We extend a special welcome to any new visitors here this morning and please join us afterwards for coffee and conversation. We begin our gathering acknowledging that we are located on Treaty 6 territory. We respect the histories, languages and cultures of the First Nations, Métis, Inuit and First Peoples of Canada, whose presence continues to enrich our community. Our community extends beyond Sunday morning gatherings, so please read the announcements in the order of service. And we also have a monthly newsletter available in print and online. and You can join our virtual community on Facebook and Twitter to help you keep up to date on happenings in the extended world. Now, let us prepare our hearts and our minds for worship. Let us let go, just for a time, of our everyday world. We'll silence our phones and other devices. We'll create a space in this hour to simply be together. In the spirit of life and love we gather. In order to focus ourselves for this service, I invite you to an opening time of reflection as we listen to a prelude that marks the beginning of our service.
1: (laughs) Higher, oh, a hair, higher, Wah, hey, what hair, hair, hey. Wah, hey, what hey. Wah, hey, wah, hey, Wah, hey, hey, hey.
0: That was Edmonton's own Asani. We light our chalice to honor our work, to celebrate our community, and to bring hope and determination to our mission in the wider world. Our service this morning is focused on what we each bring to this community and to the world. And so I'd like to invite you, thinking about this church community, to rise if you're willing or able and join in singing hymn number 113, Where is Our Holy Church? 113. Mm-hmm. I'd like to invite the youth and children to come forward and light their chalices for the morning. And after they have done so, we will sing them out with the words printed in the order of service. Each week we take an offering to support the work of this church. We are a completely self-supporting community, so your gifts are most greatly welcome. The ushers will take the offering. We just wanna let you know that in this congregation, there are a lot of people who do direct deposit or uh, post-dated checks or so on and so forth. The other thing I'll mention is that one half of the unidentified cash, the loose cash that comes in our plate, we give away. Because we're always trying to remind ourselves that being an insular and isolated church is not a good thing, that we belong in a wider community. And this month we're uh, giving our donations to Change for Children, an organization that uh, helps around the world with the lives of children. And there's a display in the lobby if you want to read more about it. So we will take an offering to support the work of this church.
1: Heya, hey! heya ho, waya 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 hey! heya ho, waya
0: Would you please join in the song for receiving the offering printed in your order of service. From
2: you I receive to you I give Together we
0: share this we live From you I receive to you I give Together we share and from this we live I'd like to invite you into a time of meditation. Uh, Would you please remain seated and join in singing hymn number 123 Spirit of Life? One, two, three. you are thinking about what you bring, whether you spoke of it or not, this reading from Rebecca Parker, your gifts, whatever you discover them to be, can be used to bless or curse the world. The mind's power, the strength of the hands, the reaches of the heart, the gift of speaking, listening, imagining, seeing, waiting. Any of these can serve to feed the hungry, bind up wounds, welcome the stranger, praise what is sacred, do the work of justice, or offer love. Any of these can draw down the prison door, hoard bread, abandon the poor, obscure what is holy, comply with injustice, or withhold love. What will you do with your gifts? Choose to bless the world. The choice to bless the world is more than an act of will, a moving forward into the world with the intention of doing good. I invite you into a time of silence. E Well, here we are, my penultimate service in this congregation, that's my word for today, penultimate, and yeah, it feels very, very strange to me. Already, some of the protocols surrounding my retirement and departure have set in. It is no longer my place, for example, to help this congregation plan for its future. For example, it's odd that at this late date in the month, I have No idea what the services will be in February. The transitional services team has been handling and planning that for some time now. Your future has always been your work to do, of course, and you've done it well. But I have had a role of providing history and context, institutional memory to support your decision-making, and in offering information about best practices in other congregations in our denomination, as well as pointing your leaders to some resources they may find useful. My sense is that you, the members and friends of the Unitarian Church of Edmonton, are actually feeling pretty confident as you move into this new stage, and I'm not surprised by that. The maturity of leadership is what drew me to this community in the first place, You have a history of knowing how to run your own affairs without a great deal of drama. There have really been no significant conflicts in the last 20 years, and those that did arise did not unduly raise anxiety levels of the community. Only a very few people have taken their ball and gone home after not getting their way. Many of my colleagues over the years have been terribly envious of how easy this congregation has been for me to serve. And I'd like to thank you personally because you guys make me look good to my colleagues because I don't think it's anything I did. You, you, this is just a solid, mature, well-run organization. So I ask you to believe me when I say that other communities experience much more conflict than we have seen here. At my final board meeting 11 days ago, I was asked why we never developed a covenant of right relations here at UCE, a document that spells out how we should treat one another all the time, but especially when we're in conflict. Developing one properly is an intensive year-long process that involves the entire congregation. Frankly, we've always seemed to have more important things to attend to first. We haven't had that fight serious enough to make us want to develop one or need to develop one. And that's usually the reason these covenants get made. They're drafted as a means to heal after some great big meltdown as a roadmap for going forward. There has not been that critical catalyzing event here. Behaving in a principled fashion is an ingrained part of UCE culture. There's a history of resolving differences Respectfully, that's kind of the water in which we swim. Were you to develop such a covenant, you would find it merely spells out, I think, the practices you already use. It is a bit sad to see how many congregations did indeed have to go through that process. My point is that this is a healthy community that knows how to run its business without undue drama or excessive insertion of ego. All that being said, there might still be a wee bit of anxiety among you over what's going to happen next. I was talking about that one day before Christmas when I was visiting the Venerable Lilas Lisney in hospital. Lilas, who still has a keen interest in the life of this congregation despite being 137 years old. She told me, she did not suggest, she told me that I had to use one of my final sermons to encourage you to affirm that things are going to be okay. And she suggested that I find some kind of ritual and that rang a bell and we discussed it and she gave her imprimatur to what we're about to do today. As a newly minted minister, I helped start a brand new BC congregation where there was some tension after a while around how much or how little social justice work we were going to do collectively. There were some passionate people who felt the church would be meaningless unless we were all out on the front lines doing something outside the church. The problem is there's very little agreement about which front lines. Uh, One person really wanted us to do one issue. One person really wanted us to do another issue. A third person wanted a different issue as well. And it was beginning to get a bit stressful If we did not have a collective social justice effort, we would somehow be letting down the side and not letting our principles. But the thing was, I knew my people. They were all doing some kind of justice work, often as part of issue-specific groups, like, I don't know, Canadian Wildlife Federation or Greenpeace or whatever, or, or some social justice group, or in their work. The teachers and the nurses... And the lawyers, okay, some lawyers. <laughs> Sorry, cat, I have to slide in the lawyer joke now and again. Um, all of these people were doing something to contribute to society. And choosing only one course of action would risk offending and even driving away some who were impassioned about other causes or some who just felt that their work was not being valued. So with the help of a wiser elder colleague, I devised a very simple exercise meant to appreciate all we do as a community. And it's based on a very simple idea. We are all people who care. We all understand that there are many worthwhile causes and projects. We all have demands on our time. As individuals, we might be drawn more to one cause than another, not because it's more worthy, necessarily, or even more urgent, but because it's the one that speaks to our hearts. It doesn't mean that other causes are any less important. It simply means that we are busy answering our own inner call to serve the thing that moves us. So we devised an exercise to help us appreciate how involved our members really were. Now, considering the transition that you all are beginning, the same exercise with a tweak might serve. There will be lots to be done in the next couple of years and some significant decisions to be made to help this community thrive. You each have to answer the call in your own way. You each have to serve the needs of a congregation in the ways that serves your abilities your commitment and your available time resources. Not everybody can be active at the same level year after year. I have a good friend in my Rotary Club. He is an elder. He's been a member for over four decades. His wife is struggling with her own physical and mental decline. So now this fellow was once very active, president, vice president, treasurer, and so on and so forth, never missed a meeting. He was the guy you could always count on to be the first to volunteer for any task. But he can't do that anymore. He typically only makes about one meeting a month now. He can't carry the load he once did. But two days a year, our club meets at an inner-city school. We fund a weekly hot lunch program for them. It's provided by an outside source. We just pay for it. but twice a year we want to be involved and so on those days we either prepare and serve a Christmas dinner for 220 kids or an end of the year hot dog lunch and those days my elder friend is always present Now, these days he usually does the simple work of folding napkins or handing out juice boxes it's what he can do now it's all that he can bring but he is determined to bring it and that matters it matters a lot he's also one of the first to help fund my cancer charity bike rides any community will need people who will do what they can no matter how small that thing may seem. And believe me, everyone who moves a chair here after one of the church dinners or picks up the orders of services that are left on chairs or carries cups to the kitchen after coffee hour eases the workload of other volunteers and enhances the sense that we are all in this together. So what can you bring? What do you bring? And know that there are no wrong answers to this question, no intent to make anyone feel that they're letting the side down. Church doesn't work that way, or at least it shouldn't. So as this congregation moves into its next stage of existence, there's going to be a lot to do. Some people will have to step up and lead the processes of change, but everyone in the community gets to bring something, even if it's only their presence. Maybe it's leading a service or supporting a social justice cause, helping in the fun jobs that Jennifer Hinchcliffe promotes, turning up for food bank duty, volunteering in the children's program, donating whatever money you can afford is always good. But like my elder Rotarian friend, showing up is important too. If you aren't here, then why are we doing all this work? And as I've often suggested, even attending services and singing the hymns builds this community, and makes the minister feel like he isn't wasting his time on Sunday mornings. A perpetual problem in the life, the church life in any denomination, is the concern to get people to help, and how we're going to pay the bills. Now, some places, uh, in some some places. The pleas for such assistance can sound pretty frantic at times, pretty anxious. But please notice that around here, the work almost always gets done. Sometimes we have to attach the word eventually. But the work always gets done, and the bills are always paid on time. Your participation is needed, and it's welcome, but there is no crisis. Trust me. In the 66 years of this congregation's life, there have never been enough volunteers and there has never been enough money. Yet here we are, alive, connected, solid. It's a common fault among church leaders and ministers alike to think in terms of scarcity, to focus on what we don't have or what we can't do right now. But for the rest of this morning, I want to ignore the feelings of scarcity. And focus on what you each bring to the occasion. Equation. And this includes anybody, even someone who's here for the first time, if you wish to participate. Every one of us serves the cause of making the world a better place, a more principled and humane society in some way. It's what draws us here, and it's what inspires us to do what we can. And because we are unique, and yet inherently worthy beings, we each bring some different gift to the table. You talked about that a little bit in the community question, but let's take it a step farther. You should all have a small stack of post-it notes and some form of writing implement. So I want you to think about what you do or have done in your life to make the world a little better and write just one thing on each post-it note. You don't need to write an essay. Nobody's going to you know, evaluate all these things. Just a word or two about what activities you've been involved in. And if anybody needs post-it notes, Ali is back there looking for hands to be raised. But have you done volunteer work that served this community or the wider community? Made meals, coached little kids? Mark it down. Have you gotten active in a social issue or several? Written letters, marched in protests, had a chance to advocate for a cause? Mark that down. Have you held a job that helped move society forward or made it just a wee bit more humane? Had a job where you cared for others in some way? Perhaps it's been in healthcare or education or a service industry that made things a little better. Maybe you're that stereotypical government clerk who unstereotypically tries to figure out how to help clients. I'm thinking actually of one of our members who drove a tow truck for the Automobile Association for many years. Now those people are very welcome sites when they're needed. If you have work that's contributed to the general being, market town. down. So take a minute or two to review your life and answer the question, what do you bring And don't worry, no one's going to judge, so think positively. And when you are done, I invite you to join me up here. We have a bare and naked tree. And you'll notice that all of your pieces of paper are green. You have these green uh, pieces that are going to be the leaves in the springtime of this congregation. So when you're ready, come on up. No rush. So by my rough count, there are about 55 people in the room and by my rough count, that would be from there up, is about 55. So a lot of people brought lots Um, and that's fantastic. And you can come up and take a look at what your colleagues have written. Lead a social justice group, board member, building, establishing a co-op housing community, um, chaplain, curiosity and enthusiasm, smiling at strangers. I changed a law, said someone. (laughs) Church volunteering, Uh, all kinds of things, all kinds of things. Volunteered for Minerva Foundation, right? Excellent stuff. People, you're here because you're engaged people, because you want to make the world a better place. That's, that's part of why we're here, and because we need to be restored with a sense of community when we've done all those things outside. One of the things I used to talk to the social justice people about was, you know, sometimes people need to come to church on Sunday to recharge so that they can go back and change the world on Mondays. And so it's an incredible array of gifts that we bring. Take a look at that. This naked bare tree trunk was the Unitarian Church of Edmonton, but look at it now. It's tall and strong because everyone who came before and shaped the tradition built our community. And everyone who is here now keeps building the tradition, changing it, reaffirming it, like new leaves coming out on a tree and new branches coming out on a tree. It's always changing. It's always shifting every year. But it's always there. It's got a really solid trunk with no rot And no bugs, and no ants, and no squirrels. It is a solid drunk. Starting next month, you go into a new spring season, a time of rebirth and church growth. The leaves on this tree are what are going to get you through. So enjoy them all. Thank you. Our final hymn this morning is number 1028 in the teal hymn book, The Fire of Commitment. And that seems to be mixing metaphors when you talk about trees, leaves, and fire, but we'll get through it. 1028, I invite you to rise and sing. The chalice flame is is extinguished, but as the song suggests, that fire of commitment keeps burning within you. So as you leave this place, carry that flame and share it with those you know, those you love, and most especially with those you've yet to meet. We have a tradition of joining hands and singing carry the flame of peace and love until we meet again, and then ceremonially sitting down again to listen to announcements.